Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Everybody, I, I needed that song yesterday. I was in Columbus, and as a Buckeye fan, I went to the game. And I know I've learned an important lesson. You know, they say when you lose some, you lose some more. And that's the kind of way I felt, I felt yesterday. But boy, what a great day to be together in the house of the Lord. So thankful that you're sharing your weekend with us. One of the things that I love about the Bible is there are themes that weave through all 66 books. From Genesis to Revelation, you can find these threads. And one of the threads that you read about from, from the beginning to the end is this thread of trust. Like God will say to people, like I want you to say this, or I want you to believe that, or I want you to do this. And then we as the readers, we wait in anticipation to see, are they gonna do what God's called them to do? Are they gonna trust God? For example, God will show up and he'll tell Noah, I want you to build this boat in the middle of the desert. We're like, whoa, is he gonna actually do that, right? Or God says to Abraham, I know you're comfortable in this place, but I want you to move. I'm not gonna tell you where. I just want you to follow me. And you go, is he gonna do it? Or God will tell Joshua, there's this city called Jericho, and I'm not, I don't want you to attack it. I want you to march around it and blow your trumpets. Will, will, will you do it? And one of my favorite trust stories, so we talk about this thread of trust. One of my favorite trust stories comes out of the book of 1 Kings. The eighth king of Israel uh, is, is a bad king. Kind of Ahab. Ahab, not Ahab the Arab. That's a different Ahab. <laughs> Ahab, all right? And Ahab is a horrible king. He's the king of God's people. He never does what God wants him to do. Horrible king. He's so bad, he marries a bad woman. He marries a lady named Jezebel. Jezebel. Now, Ahab and Jezebel are so bad, I don't know anybody who carries their namesake, right? Like, I don't know an Ahab. Do you know an Ahab? Maybe a pirate friend of yours named Ahab. I don't know. Do you know a Jezebel? I don't know any Jezebels, right? Like, like Jezebel's not one of those popular names, right? I mean, you, you don't see, you know, couples looking at, you know, how, what, what are we going to name our, our baby girl to come? And the husband leans over and says, I know you like Tiffany, and that's great. And Amber is an awesome name. I was thinking Jezebel. What do you, I, but that doesn't really probably play today a lot, right? The, these two are so bad. They, they wake up one day, and they see um, beside the palace, there's a guy who has a vineyard. And, and they really, they have, they have a lot, but they don't have his vineyard, and they want his vineyard. And they go, and they say, we want to buy your vineyard. And he goes, no, it's not, it's been in my family. For, no, you can't, I don't care how much money, I'm not selling. Well, they get so mad at him that they trump false charges. They put false charges on. He's blasphemed God. They stone him to death just so they can have his property, his land. They're, they're horrible people. Jezebel doesn't even believe in Yahweh. So she's the queen of God's people, doesn't believe in, in God. She worships pagan gods. 
and she convinces her husband, the king of God's people, to build pagan temples, pagan shrines for her pagan gods, and he does it. And Jezebel begins this systematic approach to like kill all the true prophets of God. She wants to rid the land of, of Yahweh, and she begins to tell the people, it's not Yahweh that blesses the land, it's my God. So, so, so it's, the, it, it's because of Baal, her God, ba, it's because of Baal that the fig tree harvest was so good. It's because of Baal that the olive crop was so successful. It's because of Baal that the rains have fallen and, 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 and the fields are fertile. And so the people waver and this spiritual darkness kind of descends on the people of God. And, and, and if you walked through their towns, you would see little statues of Baal in their windows. If you listened as you walked by their houses, you would hear the dinner prayer. Baal is great. Baal is good. Let us thank him for our food. They, they, just, they just turned away from the true God. And as the nation capitulates, as they embrace pagan theology, as they commit spiritual adultery, as they're swept away by secular culture, one guy stands up and says, enough. I'm sure there were pockets. I'm sure there were individuals who didn't bow to Baal, but but one God raise, he kind of raises up and he says, enough is enough. This is not right. This is not what we need to be doing. And God whispers in Elijah's ear, do something. Do something. And so we will wait and we'll see, will Elijah trust God? And, and, and he does. And how, how does he stand up? Well, he prays a prayer. And he prays, he says, if you believe Baal has blessed the olive crops, if you believe it's the hand of Baal that the fig tree harvest was so good, if you believe that it's the hand of Baal that the rains have come, I'm gonna pray that the rains stop. I'm gonna pray that, that, that no rain will fall, that, that, that drought will come, that famine will come, not, not so that you'll be hurt, but that you'll wake up and that you'll, You'll see it's not him, it's, it's God, it's Yahweh who is the source of all blessing. Now, as you can imagine, a preacher praying for tragedy, a, pre a preacher praying for drought, that's not a popular message to the people. And I just wanna pause here to remind you of a key truth that I've always known, but I wanna make sure you know it. My job as your pastor my calling from God is not to build a giant church. That's not what I've been called to do. My job, my calling from God is not to have the world look at me and say, wow, look at how culturally sensitive his church is. That's not my call. My call, my job is not to be popular, it's not to be liked, it's not to be embraced by the world. My call, my job is to preach the full gospel of Christ. Covered, not, not the parts that we just like, not the parts that, 
that are good to hear. The whole gospel, even the parts that are hard, even the parts, because here's what I've learned. The world needs to hear the gospel, but the world will hate the gospel. It needs to hear it, but it hates it. You know, the doctrine of sin is the most hated doctrine of the entire Bible. People do not want to hear that they have sinned. People do not want to hear you come to God because of the hopelessness of your sin. They don't want to hear that. And so I'm just here today to remind you, if I ever preach a gospel that the world applauds, if I ever preach a gospel that the world stands back and says, now wasn't that marvelous? Wasn't that what we need to hear? It's time for you to get a new preacher because that's not what I'm called to do. Jesus said the world will hate you because it hated me first. So Elijah is preaching a gospel that's not popular. He's praying a prayer that's not popular. So he's not being asked to play golf at the local country club by everybody. He's not getting nice little cards for profit appreciation month. They they don't like him at all. And they berate him for his lack of sensitivity, his lack of political correctness. So so, so God has to take him out. He, He takes him out of town and he says, I, I need to put you in a safe spot because it's not safe for you. So he puts him in the, in the desert, right? And Elijah, man, God honors that prayer. And the faucets of heaven are turned off and the rain stops. And slowly the land begins to change. And I don't know how long it took, but indeed, like years go by and it hadn't rained a drop. The drought has come. Famine has come. Hardship has come. And we, we find Elijah at a little brook. I mean, there's a little bit of water left in this brook, and, and we find him there, an outlaw, a rebel, a wanted man. Now, I gotta remind you, in the desert, there is no Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Domino's doesn't even deliver that far. So how is he gonna live? How is he gonna be sustained? And I can imagine Elijah saying, listen, God, I trusted you. You told me to do something. I did it. Now look, I I don't even have anything to eat. This brook is drying up. What's gonna happen? And God says, listen, I need you to trust me. And look at what God's gonna tell him. Look at 1 Kings 17, 4. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Even though Domino's doesn't deliver, Raven Express does. (laughs) And you gotta, I mean, I was like, oh, that's so gross. Like eating food that the birds are dropping off to you, right? I, I can't, I, I, but, but again, Elijah is being forged. Elijah is learning a very crucial lesson. Man, will you trust? Will you trust? And, 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 and God shows up in, in, in really miraculous ways. And I bet you, if you look over the course of your life, can you see the hand of God that has blessed you in your life? If real, like, like, like in unexpected ways, has God ever blessed you in an unexpected, random, totally out of the blue way? Maybe it was a check that showed up at just the right time and you're like, whoa, look, look at that. Maybe it was an unexpected promotion. Maybe your tax refund was a, a little larger than you thought it was gonna be. Maybe someone bought your lunch. Maybe you were digging in the cushions of your couch and you found a 20 and you're like, woohoo! Look at that, right? 
God provides in mysterious ways to those who just trust, those who will step out. Now some would scoff and say again, he's eating roadkill, doesn't own anything, what a mess he's in. But again, I would say no, he is, he's being forged, he's being strengthened, he's being reminded that even you can trust God when the drought comes. And at some point, the drought gets so bad that little brook that he's getting water from dries up. And now he has no water left. Things are really dicey. And he begins to pray, God, hello, look, look what's going on. And then what are we gonna do? And God says, trust me, I've got a plan. Look at what the plan of God is next. Look at 1 Kings 17, 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. <laughs> Watch this. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. It's what every grown man longs to hear. I'm gonna have an old lady take care of you, right? Now, now notice, notice, God said, I've instructed a widow. Now, how did he do that? Well, did he appear to her in a dream? Did he speak to her through the Holy? I don't know, but somewhere in that city, God said, I told a lady, I told a widow there that you're gonna be coming and that she needs to take care of you. That's my plan, go. And so, man, he goes and he Heads into this town, not knowing who this woman is, he, but he meets her and uh, he asks her. He, he hasn't had anything to eat for days. And he says, um, do you have some water to spare and do you have a little bit of bread? He's not asking for a full meal. A little bit of water, a little bit of bread. And listen to what this woman tells him. The woman who God instructed, take care of this guy that's coming. Listen to what she says. Look at verse 12. But she said... I swear by the Lord, your God. Is she even a believer? I don't know if she's even a believer. I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the last meal, and then my son and I will die. So, so this woman who God appeared to said, all right, <laughs> you're the one, but, but listen, you gotta understand, I don't have anything. What I do have is really just left for one meal, we're gonna have it, and then my son and I are gonna have nothing left, and like all the other people I've watched die around me, we're gonna die too. Now, if I'm Elijah, and I hear that this woman is in this, in this, is in this pickle, like, like you know, wouldn't you think he'd say, well, hey, hey I, I didn't know, I'm so sorry that, that like you're in this, I, I thought you'd have some means. Hey listen, I, I don't need anything from you, I don't want anything from you. You go and have that meal and God will, per no, you would expect him, but he doesn't. He, God told him, this is what's gonna happen. God spoke to this woman, she's wavering, but watch, so, so he doesn't backpedal. Look at what he says, look at verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be what? afraid. He doesn't pull back. He says, okay, listen, I know it's hard. I know you're almost out. But trust what God told you. Don't be afraid. Go ahead. Do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and for your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour 
There will always be olive oil in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. It's trust. That thread of trust. God spoke to you, God spoke to me. We just gotta trust. Don't be afraid. Do what he says to do and watch what he's going to do. And, and so, man, she, she does it. She doesn't let fear trump her faith. She steps out, she makes that last meal, carves out a little piece of bread, gives him a little bit of water, and then the miracle takes place. She goes back to the kitchen and she says, all the, I used all the flour, how come there's half left? Wait a minute, I, I thought I poured out all that oil. She mixes up another batch, has another meal, comes back the next day, and, and, and miraculously, man, God, God has proven his word to be true. He moved. And, and again, it's, it's, it's a story of great trust. Now, and we hear that story, we go, well, that's so nice for them. What does it have to do with me? It has everything to do with you and I. And here's the way I wanna use it this morning as we wrap up this steward on finances, this series on finances. Every couple of weeks, I don't know if you get paid a week, every two weeks, once a month, I don't know how you get paid. Every time you and I get a paycheck in our hands, we stand at this crossroad that this widow was at. We stand right here at this little crossroad of trust because God says, I, I own it all. God says, everything, Craig, that you have belongs to me, right? I'm gonna let you manage. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna let you manage. But remember, it all belongs to me. And Craig, what I want you to do is I want you to carve out a little piece of that flower. Carve out a little piece of that water. I want you to understand that I own it all, so I want you to carve off for me a little bit and give, give me, we, we call this in the church, we call this the tithe. It's 10%. Okay, God owns 100%, but God says, I want you to give me 10% to fuel my kingdom, to teach you, to keep in your heart that you can trust me, that I want you to step out in faith. We call it the tithe. Just a really quick reminder, we do this once a year. But let me remind you about the tithe. Look at Leviticus 27.30. Uh, the people of God were told one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields, fruit from the trees, that belongs to the Lord. And you must be set apart to him as holy. How about 2 Chronicles 31.5? When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain the first share of new wine, the first olive oil, the first honey, the first of all they produced, they brought a large quantity, here it is again, a tithe, 10% of what they produced. Malachi 3, eight through 10, the people stopped tithing. God had a problem with that. Listen to what God says to them. Should people cheat God? <laughs> That's a rhetorical question. No, you shouldn't. Right? He says, but you've cheated me. But he asks, what do you mean, God? How, how do we ever cheat you? God says, you cheated me out of tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, the whole nation. You've been cheating me. Bring the tithe into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. So this principle that we read about in, this, in, in the word is, again, God says, look, it all belongs to me. I'm gonna let you manage, but set aside 10%. Set aside the tithe. And I know what maybe some of you are thinking, because I thought it too. Well, that's Old Testament. <laughs> I'm not under law. I'm under grace, Right? Well, well, not so fast, not so fast. Let, let's, let's go to the New Testament. Let, let, me, let me show you something that Jesus said about the tithe. Jesus 
was locking horns one day with the religious elites. They thought they were better than everybody else, and they were getting into a little, little discussion on stuff, and look at what Jesus told the Pharisees. Look at Luke eleven forty two. 42. Jesus turns around and says, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. They would go to their mint and cut 10% of their mint. Go to their little herbs. and You're careful to tithe even the tiniest little bit from your herb gardens. But you ignore justice. You ignore the love of God. Read the next three words with me out loud. You should I'm not trying to manipulate the text. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Jesus right here said, you should tithe, but your hearts are wrong. Get your heart right, but you should tithe. Now, he had the perfect opportunity to say, well, you know, that tithing thing is Old Testament, and we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus never abolishes the tithe. Paul never abolishes the tithe. And again, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just saying biblically, Tithing, set aside 10% of your income to give it to God, is something the Bible teaches. And every paycheck, we are at this crossroad that this widow was at is, will I trust? Will I trust that? Or will I let fear trump my faith? Will I give God a slice? Will I set aside a portion to teach me and to be obedient to him? Uh, the, 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 it's, it's a foreign concept. If you didn't grow up in church, this is a, this is a, it's a different kind of concept, right? Because the way that we're, you know, we, sometimes we, we grow up is to get to think about ourselves. Like, I need to take care of me. I need to take care of family. And if there's anything left over, like, then maybe I'll think about giving something to God. That's, that's generally the way, you know, most of us, some of us are, are kind of raised. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the farmer who walked into the kitchen one, one day and he said to his wife, honey, it is a glorious day. Our cow has given birth to twin calves, one brown, the other white. It is a joyous day. And I vow to dedicate one of these cows to the Lord. We will raise them together. And when the time is right, we will sell them both. We will keep the proceeds from one for ourselves. We will use the proceeds from the second and give to the church and bless the Lord. And the wife was, indeed, this is a glorious day. Which calf shall we dedicate to the Lord today? Which is his? And the husband said, honey, no need to decide that now. We will raise them together and decide it at the appropriate time. Well, six months Go by, he walks into the kitchen, a little forlorn, a little sad. The wife says, honey, what's the matter? Why are you so sad? The farmer said, there's been a disaster in the barn. What happened? The Lord's calf died today. <laughs> it's always the Lord's cow that dies, right? But, but there's something about that that I register with where it's like, well, you know, I, I need to make sure I'm good. I need, God wants me to take care of me first, right? And then again, if there's anything left over, but, but, the Bible teaches that's backwards. And, and God kind of sets this trust test up to say, don't roll that way. Put me first, Craig. Don't put me last. Put me first. Give me that first part. Trust me. Watch me. Don't let fear trump your faith. And again, I, I gotta decide. I gotta decide. Am I, am I gonna take him at his word? Or am I gonna do my own thing? I, I, I think 
I think a lot of us are raised that we gotta get from A to B. Here's where I am, here's where I wanna be, here's where I am, here's where I need to be, A to B. And what a lot of us have kind of bought into is it's gonna take 100% of what I've got to get from A to B. <laughs> and sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes it's 105% of what I got. I got, I, got, I got to set aside money for college for my kids. I, I got a wedding to pay for. I got retirement to fund. I've got, I've got the car to fix. I got, I got all these things, and it's going to require 100% of what I got to have to get from A to B. And that's one way people live. But then there's another way that people live. They say, you know, I, I need to get from A to B, and I'm going to trust that I can do that on 90%, giving 10% to God God will get me from A to B if I, just, if, 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 I, if I honor him first. And both sides look at the other and go, you're a donut, right? I mean, like, like, like you really, like, like, like the people who, who, who don't tithe look at tithers and go, are, are, are you serious? Like, you, you really think that's, that's the way, that you'll get there that way? And people who tithe, ask any tither, ask any tither, like, would you ever go back and redo it? And every tither will go, no, I've, because I've seen God not only get me from A to B on 90, I've seen God get me from A to B to C on 90 because I've got his blessing. I'm trusting him. I'm putting him first. I'm not saying it's easy. Oh, no. It's not easy at all. I mean, you might have to do some things, make some radical cuts. You might have to cut cable. You might have to pack your lunch. You might not be able to buy the brand new car. You might not be able to have the nicest house. You might not be able to put as much in, in retirement. You might not be able to fund your kid's college uh, account. But, but what you believe is, I'm gonna honor him this way. He wants me to honor him this way. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna test. It's the only place in the book of Malachi, the only place where God says, trust me, test me. You don't believe it? Just try it. Test me in this and see if I don't move in a big way for you. So, so, so again, as I think about this widow, as I think about the crossroad that, that she was at, she had to make this decision on, do I trust? And again, I think you and I, as we wrap up this series, as we talked about our attitude, we're just stewards. As we talked about, be careful in how we spend. We come to this C in the ABCs of financial stability. Choose, choose to tithe. Don't let fear be bigger than your faith. That's what Elijah told her. What did Elijah, don't be afraid. Trust the Lord, honor him, put him first and watch what he's gonna do. I wanna wrap this whole series up by just asking you for a favor. Um, and, and again, if you've been with us any length of time, I, I, my job is not, to, is, is not to try to twist your arm. My job, I'm, I'm not a salesman. But what I wanna do is I wanna give you a handle. At the end of, of every row, there's a stack of tithing commitment cards. If you wanna pick one of those up on your way out, we're not gonna pass them down the row. I'm not trying to get one in your hands. They're just at the end of the rows. But, but it's just, a, it's just a, a little, you're not gonna turn it in. You're not gonna send it in. No one's gonna see, it's just between you and the Lord. But it's just a way to say, God, next year, as we go into a new year, I'm not gonna try that. Maybe I've never tithed. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna try the, maybe I am a tither, I'm gonna continue to tithe. Maybe, I believe every Christian wants to tithe. I mean, who, who wouldn't, who, what Jesus follower wouldn't say, I, I wanna do that? Maybe you're in a position where you're like, there's no way. There's a little spot right there where you say, okay, what's, what's the first step to take? Maybe it's not 10%, can you, are, is God calling you to do three? 
But that's between you and the Lord. So on your way out, after we pray, after we have communion, on your way out, say, pick up one of those cards, and that's between you and the Lord. Not between you and the Lord and us, just between you and the Lord. And, 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 I, and I just, I look forward, because I, I keep hearing story after story about people who come and say, I'm gonna tell you, God, God's taking care of us. How, how God has refined my faith through this whole discipline of tithing. But, but it's, 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 it's gonna be an incredible journey I ask that you take one of those cards, pray about it, and let's see what the Lord has in store for us in the next year. Let me pray for us. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, 845, 10, and 1115, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.